wonder what the average American citizen is actually thinking. Today, in the age of American turmoil, I even wonder sometimes if they're even thinking anything at all. There's a great schism in our country. And recently, it became very clear to me in a very concrete way. I recently celebrated an anniversary with my darling wife. We visited Tombstone and Bisbee. These are two historical mining towns in Arizona that in recent years have chosen very different paths. One has chosen law and order. The other has chosen chaos and corruption. And then I realized as I was visiting these towns and experiencing them, the flavor of each, that they really do represent the great divide that we see in America today. It is a divide between good and evil, between beauty and the beast, between truth and deception. And they're only a few miles apart, but the contrast between these two towns is stark. It is amazing. It is night and day, black and white. They couldn't be more polarized. I would cite two examples of locations that I went to. I, I visited the Crystal Palace in Tombstone, and what I saw was a bunch of patriots there. In there, just having a good time, celebrating the freedoms that we enjoyed. That was the theme of the entire saloon in there, which is uh, a, a not completely authentic, but a replica version of what existed back in the late 1800s in the tombstone days. And then a short time later, we drove on to Bisbee and I saw from the road, from the outside, the Bisbee Grand Hotel. This was a very historical hotel in a very historical mining town that was fully a cowboy town in every sense of the word. And the buildings still reflect the old cowboy town, but it is very camouflaged with the colors of the rainbow the alphabet colors of perversion permeated the entire town of Bisbee. And I could not have been more disappointed in what I saw. I was disgusted. I was even looked down upon because I was with my wife. And several gay people of the perverse color code looked down on us, almost mocked us, sneering at us with their eyes because we obviously did not buy into their sin. And I realized just then that America really is on the brink of collapse if we continue to tolerate the evil we see ever before us. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise. I'm Dr. Steve Latour. I appreciate you being with me today as we strive to recreate America, the old America, the America as one nation under God.
how are we going to save America? That's the question everybody wants to know. How do we beat the enemy regime that has permeated our government? Our government has become our enemy. Well, I did enjoy my anniversary time with my wife. We've been married 28 blessed years. It has been wonderful. My wife is a gift from God in every sense of the word. Well, we stayed at the Tombstone Monument Ranch and Cattle Company. That is a kind of a mock tombstone town or, or a, re, a rendition of it. And it was really nice. It, it was quiet. It was two miles away from the actual town of Tombstone. So we were away from the activity. And we happened to, to arrive there on a Thursday afternoon. And that evening, we went into the saloon of that mock town. And we were very pleasantly surprised because there was a singer there. His name was Johnny Bencomo. Now we had no idea this guy was going to show up, but as I pulled in to that saloon, opened the doors, we looked and he was tuning his guitars and I thought, Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have some live music. How wonderful. Well, I listened to Johnny Bencomo when he started playing, and instantly I realized that this guy was an amazing artist, a musician first class. He played an 18-string guitar, something that very, very few people in America have ever played or even thought of playing. It has a completely different sound. It was incredible. But before even hearing the first tunes from his guitar and the words and songs from his beautiful voice are truly a gift from God. Johnny Bencomo just seemed to portray the old rugged American. I spoke with him later. Johnny was, is a Comanche, Apache, Mexican uh, mix he is a country Western singer with an incredible voice. And I think he had a predilection for the old country songs. He sang some beautiful Marty Robbins songs and some other ballads. And I found out in the course of his playing that he was an absolutely great American historian. This guy knew his stuff. He, he would throw in little tidbits of information uh, with the songs that he played and of course, I checked him on, uh, on all his little facts. I've done a lot of study in, um, in Amer early American history, in the Western days particularly, and the guy was dead on accurate. I was so impressed with Johnny Bencomo. He was the epitome of a devout patriot. And I have to tell you, I am proud to call this guy my brother, my fellow American. He was the quintessential rugged looking American cowboy. And it just warmed my heart. This is the kind of guy that I would want to have on my wing in my flying days in the military, because I knew he was solid. He was trustworthy and he had a passion for America. God bless this man's soul. Now, in contrast, there was the bartender, and I want to keep his name anonymous. 
because, you know, he was actually a nice guy. He could hold a conversation. He was just an all around nice guy. Your typical younger 30s age American in this day. But he was just the opposite of Johnny Bencomo. He was not so rugged looking with his man bun and just his overall demeanor. He was certainly not so knowledgeable. He had no idea, if you can believe this, who Dr. Tony Fauci was. And he could not identify any of the seeming pressing issues of our day. He knew nothing about coronamania despite the fact that his girlfriend recently had a miscarriage at the end of her first trimester after taking two COVID shots. Um, maybe he was trying to put two and two together. He, I mean, he asked the question, do you think it could have been? Because I, of course, struck up a conversation with him, and I'm always trying to preach the truth, the truth in science, the truth with God and the Bible, the way things are. Remember, all truth is God's truth. It belongs to him. But this poor young bartender knew nothing whatsoever of American history or the Constitution. He was completely apolitical. And he seemed to have no strong opinions about anything. He, it, it, You know, it just felt like he had not a patriotic bone in his body. And that concerned me. This is exactly why America's future appears to be so bleak right now. Because let me tell you, the demons of this world are hard at work right now. They have been unleashed. And this is the only way I can describe what we are seeing in our country today. For example, whoever Biden's puppeteers are, we know Biden's not the one in control, but whoever his puppeteers are, whoever are controlling him, pulling his strings, running this country, we see very clearly that they have done their worst. And let me tell you, it's really bad. They are fully intent on taking down America our nation, our empire, our national, uh, everything, our creed, what it is to be an American is being destroyed right now. And it's happening very fast. America is truly right now on the brink of collapse. And we are in a very real sense going to see the end of America as a nation not just as a nation under God, that's already gone, sadly, because we have been so silent. But the entire world is also going to the dogs. Things are heating up really fast. I can hardly keep up with everything that's going on. What do I share with you? It is happening so fast that we can only skim the top of things. And therefore, we really need to look at the key issues that could possibly alter our world suddenly in a flash of an eye and do it in a really big way. Now, look at Russia. Recently, we have heard of what is going on in the Russia's big think tank thanks to a guy named Sergei Karaganov, who is suggesting strongly and encouraging Russia to change their philosophy on using nuclear weapons. 
and it is rapidly changing. They are really thinking the old Cold War doctrine and, uh, about the use of nuclear weapons because they, they had a pretty high threshold, and so did the United States. Following uh, World War II, we began the Cold War, and when it finally ended, we saw the collapse of the uh, Soviet Union, the, the conglomeration of nations, and we saw that some of those nations actually became an annexed to NATO. They became our absolute allies, which is kind of interesting, but think of the psychological impact that has on Russia. And now Russia finds itself in a catastrophic position. They are a bear caged and being poked at in the corner. And Russia says, I don't like it. And Sergei now is shaping Moscow's think tank in no small way. And he discusses the use of nuclear weapons, which he calls a gift from the Almighty. And he says it's a gift because it can remind us of the reality of hell. Because the, the reality is that the world is, no longer believes in a heaven or hell. The world, in, in a large part, has rejected God. And so Sergi says, hey, maybe we can use these nukes and remind the world that hell does really exist. And they believe this, even in a spiritual sense. But the use of nuclear weapons right now is being strongly considered. I wrote an article titled, Could Russia Save Humanity from a Global Catastrophe? And I discussed Sergi's thinking. But let me tell you this. Nuclear weapons are indeed back on the wartime weapons menu. Okay, so we are back in a position although more precarious than we were during the Cold War when all Americans, when the entire world feared the threat of a nuclear holocaust. Well, we are closer now than we have ever been. And thanks to the Biden regime, this is happening. With his Burisma bribe, with his, his toying with the enemy and all of his dirty politics, his his profound evil character, we find ourselves in a war that the Biden regime, whoever that may be, does not want to end. And Russia feels this, senses this, knows that they are in a no-win situation. It makes us ask the question, have Biden and Obama been blackmailed? Because remember, I, Obama is at the as at the bottom of the pan, okay? He's at the bottom of the swamp. Obama has spearheaded so much of this, and he's done a fabulous job hiding himself. But this man is a demon. He is serving Satan himself. Now, in all that Karaganov said, this Russian uh, leader of the Moscow think tank, he made one gross miscalculation by saying that only if there is a madman in the White House who also hates his own country will the U.S. decide to strike in defense of the Europeans and invite retaliation by sacrificing a hypothetical Boston for a notional Poznan. Wow. Did you hear what he just said? What he is telling us is that 
Russia is now planning to use nukes, not in a strategic global capacity, but in a tactical war. In other words, he is saying Russia is now planning to launch nukes nearby in Ukraine, most likely, or some nearby cities and remind the world that nukes are hell on earth. And I believe they will do it. But Karaganov grossly miscalculates. Only if there is a madman in the White House who also hates his own country, hello, you have just defined Joe Biden and all his miscreants, all his little demons. They do hate America. They do hate the American people. And if Boston was nuked in retaliation because we launched against Russia, what do you think Biden would say? This would be an occasion for celebration, a time of joy for the evil powers that are ruling over the American people today. The domestic enemy is our greatest threat. Our own federal government wishes us harm and is doing us great harm every day, every single day. And so I would like to say to Mr. Karaganov, we do have a madman in the White House. Biden's chief puppeteer, whoever he is, is a madman, is demon-possessed, is evil to the core. And if Russia does use nukes, they are inviting a true global doomsday ball to start. That's the truth of the matter. And we are closer than you think. So I ask in my military mind, in my sane mind of being an American, being a Christian, loving my country, loving my family, loving my fellow man, what in the world can we do? And I'm really happy to see that there seems to be a lot more people that are finally asking that question. But let's analyze the question. What can we do? What can we do that will stop the evil? And what will we actually resolve to do? And then finally, will it work? So the real question here is, how shall we defeat the domestic enemy? That is problem number one in America. That is problem number one for the world. Because if America goes down, all hell breaks loose across the entire planet. And if America goes down, what have we to hope for? Where will we go? What will we do? But if we decide to defeat this domestic enemy, we've got some hard questions to answer. Also, how is it going to happen? How long will it take? And who's going to do it? And will we act in time? I mean, what's the deadline? What is your deadline for America? When are we going to drop dead and, and be defeated? Is it going to be the 2024 election? Is it going to be... Uh, as a result of the Ukraine conflict, I mean, what will happen if Russia does use nukes? You know, everybody can speculate, but the truth is we don't know. 
because the heart of man is fickle. And when we get in a pinch, when push comes to shove, it's very hard to predict how we will act. But I will say this, we can be assured that the world will act according to sinful man. And that gets pretty ugly. See, without God in the picture, all hell does break loose. Chaos abounds. Lawlessness prevails. And the world crumbles. And the only way to stop that is to defend Christianity. And I'm talking real Christianity, not the traditional make-believe nonsense, deluded Christianity that is so prevalent in America today and perhaps in the world. It will demand that we get back to doing things God's way, and that only comes by knowing the Bible. But what will happen to Ukraine? See, we will either boom or bust, depending on what might happen. Recently, the K-329 Belgorod submarine, which is the largest nuclear submarine that Russia has, is on the move. It departed its fix from the Arctic base where it was, it was stored, and it is on the move. And it is accompanied by another ship that can launch nuclear weapons. Is this a show of force? Is Russia calling our bluff, do you think? Or do you think Russia does have the will to use these nukes? That's the question. Well, I think the bear has been poked enough. I think the bear wants out because the bear sees that the Ukraine war will deplete all of their resources. They have lost thousands and thousands of young men, good men on both sides in Ukraine and in Russia. They are losing their good men. They are losing resources, weapons. They are failing economically by trying to defend themselves from the Ukraine war, which is being funded by the demons ruling our own government. So you and I, as American citizens, have no say in this. This is an illegal war. This is a war founded on corruption from the Biden criminal family and beyond. And I say it goes back to Obama. No doubt whatsoever. But what's going to happen? Nobody really knows the deadline for America's lynching. But the platform for the hanging is being built right now. And the noose is being tied. And we need to recognize that. And not just observe, but do something. We have to intervene if we are going to save America. But we have to answer the question, how do we stop the domestic enemy? And, you know, it's not an easy thing to answer because we cannot just ignore all the deadly distractions, okay? The alphabet perverts are directly targeting our children. They have said in that New York parade, and they have demonstrated now for years we are coming after your children. There is nothing that they are holding back now. They are exposing their genitals to our children. They are talking openly about sex. 
they are perverting every single thing that we see in it, it, to be good. They are turning it into evil. Pornography is pouring into every public school in America. And if you as a parent try to intervene and save your child from that, you are now being called a revolutionary. You are being called an enemy because you are being a godly parent. You are a threat to the evil and they want to take you down. They want to imprison you, fine you. They want to do whatever it takes to stop you. And yes, they will kill you. They will kill you. If you intervene enough, if you are a big enough threat, look at how many people have been killed. Sure, many of them have been called suicides, but let me tell you, they are being killed in ever-increasing numbers. They who have stated that they will expose. I thank God for all the people now coming out and exposing the evil. But these informers are putting their lives at risk. Anyone who takes a stand publicly and calls the evil what it is, is being threatened. We can't ignore the deadly distractions like election fraud. It is still an unsolved crime, right? And everybody is hoping for a, an honest, a quasi-honest election in 2024, because that's what defines a free republic. If we cannot have a free election, then we are under the rule of a dictator, a dictatorship. And that's where we are right now until we can prove otherwise that's where we are headed so i don't feel great about 2024 i don't feel wonderful and confident about what will happen at the beginning of 2025 i don't know if we will make it to our 250 year anniversary of celebrating freedom in 2026, we may never get there. How do we appeal to law and order when the enemy intentionally ignores and betrays our Constitution? We have a fickle Supreme Court of the United States right now that just made a decision that could enable more free speech and less free speech. It could enable more evil to prevail in our country simply because we do not abide by the laws that we already have in our Constitution. I don't feel good about either of the three branches of our government. What do we do? Well, let's remember this. Every one of these lawbreakers in our government took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, to protect the Constitution. Do you understand the significance of that? It means that they are traitors, and they have infected all branches of our government right now. When do we declare war on our government and take down these traitors? 
That's the question. And how do we proceed? How do we do it constitutionally? That's the question. That's the crux of the matter. Every good American wants to be law-abiding. And therefore, we have some hard decisions to make because we don't understand even what that means to be law-abiding in a time of war. Because wartime rules are very different than peacetime rules. Who establishes the rules of engagement to fight the domestic enemy? Who will follow? Who will lead? Who will fire the first shot that will be heard around the world figuratively or maybe literally? Who knows which side will fire the shot heard around the world? Well, we've got a lot of things to discuss. And I want to suggest that there is a way out of this mess. I'm going to take a brief pause and return momentarily. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. This is Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latula. I am so grateful you're with me today as I discuss another hard topic. Biden's puppeteers have actually taken us to the brink of collapse. And so what do we do now? Things are heating up pretty fast in our world. Shall we surrender? Shall we just give up, raise up our hands and say, do what you will with us, we are your slaves? Or will we actually behave like Americans? I choose the latter. 
Well, please remember that my show does air at 5 p.m. Eastern on weekends. And I want to also remind you that I am now functioning uh, to produce The Voice of a Nation, which airs at 8 p.m. Eastern Time weekdays. And next week is going to be incredible. We are going to focus on independence with the 4th of July being next week. We want to expound the liberty that we have always enjoyed. We want to expose the freedom fight and recruit members of America, American citizens to fight it. What we need is a boots on the ground, ground level people who are willing to be the people, be the government, a government of the people, by the people and for the people. And so we are going to really harp on it in a really big way. We plan to celebrate America next week. I've had enough of the disgusting LGBTQIA plus nonsense, perversion. I'm fed up with it. I'm sick of it. And so are a whole lot of other Americans. And we need to start shoving it back in their face. We need to start fighting these demons who are trying to destroy our children, our families, our God, our country, everything. They are evil to the core. But in order to do that, we must answer the question, how do we stop the domestic enemy? Wallace Garneau is a a fellow producer on The Voice of a Nation. Um, He has some good words to say. He's a thinker. And he recently wrote an article pertaining to the Second Amendment. It was a practical discussion. I think it was a safe discussion. His conclusion was that nobody can stop the feds except the individual states. Now, he makes some very good points here. And this is something that we need to discuss. Discuss it openly. Because... Let's face it, the enemy eavesdrops on us. They hear everything we say on our cell phones, every conversation. If I now want to look something up on my cell phone to get some information, I just talk about it, and then things pop up instantly. See, they are listening to us. They are spying on us. Your privacy is gone unless you put aside all the electronics, and that's something that we may have to do eventually, but it will take some doing. But Wallace Gono made some good points, and he says that the states, as independent entities, have much power, and that is very true. But what happens when state governments go rogue and defy our constitutional rights? I mean, that's already happened quite a bit in states like Washington, Oregon, California, New York, Illinois, Hawaii. What happens when the states go rogue? The governors in these states are out of control. Gavin Newsom in California, are you kidding me? This guy is a devout communist, globalist, evil man. He is evil to the core. So what does a state like California do? I pity those poor people who live in California who actually love God and country. These people, you know, are handicapped in a huge way. So what do we do? 
If what do we do if states no longer represent we the people? Well, by definition, these become little separate dictatorships, right? When they stop representing the people, the government, they, they become a dictatorship. And that's where some of these states are. All the ones I just mentioned and more. At some point in time, if people are sufficiently oppressed, and it's got to be bad, but once people are sufficiently oppressed and abused and brutalized, they will finally act in desperation. That will happen right here in America or in any other country. There will be an uprising when the government pushes too hard. And it's coming, perhaps. But is that where we want to go? At some point in time, football games are no longer going to appease the masses because life will get too hard. Their daily rice ration may no longer satisfy them because everyone wants at least a little piece of the pie or at least a chance to get a piece of the pie. That's the American dream. But right now, today, in our current condition, the American dream is not existent. What we are now facing is the American nightmare. And so I ask you, individually, what shall we do? What will you do? What will I do? When freedom weighs in the balance, we are driven to the Second Amendment, right? The very intent of our nation's founding fathers was that if the government ever becomes out of control, and they believed definitely there would be a time that this would happen, then we appeal to the Second Amendment. And that states one thing very simply. We overthrow our government. Okay, but this is 2023, not 1776. We have arrived at that point. But what do we mean when we say, I am pro-Second Amendment? What do we really have in those few words of the Second Amendment? Just a right to own arms, to carry a weapon? Is the Second Amendment now just a nostalgic piece of our Constitution? Is it just a note of faded glory? Or maybe has it already served somehow a useful purpose in America? Does it still continue to serve us in some way? I just want us to think about this. I would argue that. The Second Amendment power resides in its principle, even more than in the letter of the words. But mind you, the words count. It's kind of like the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the Sabbath was the last day of the week. Keep Saturdays set apart for God. That's what the fourth commandment said. But when you get to the to the New Testament, we are told a little bit of a different story. 
See, the principle of the Sabbath day was rest. Work hard, but take a break every once in a while. You must, or you'll burn out. Take time to focus on God, because if you don't do that, you'll lose your way. The letter has changed in the New Testament with regard to the fourth commandment. And this is really hard for the Seventh-day Adventists, for example, to accept. But what does the scripture say? I would challenge you to read the entire chapter of Romans 14 without any external influences. Okay? Don't let the great theologians sway you from the words of truth in Romans 14 and come to your own conclusion using just a few rules of English language. Make the words say exactly what they say. And that's the way it is with the Second Amendment principle about taking down a rogue government. That's the principle. We now have such a government, but how do we stop them? That's the question. Because right now they're taking us down. We're not taking them down. They are taking us down. We have examples uh, all over the place. A A good Samaritan Marine, a righteous upright guy goes to prison for protecting innocent victims on a subway. He does the job of the government. The job that the government is supposed to do, protect innocent citizens, he does their job for them, and he goes to prison for it. Does that tell you what our government has become? The January 6 hostages are still being severely abused, physically abused, beaten, and abused in every way in the Biden gulags, and we do nothing? I can't fathom this. It's unbelievable. I get angry. When I think of this, I'm ready to go to war against the demons who possess our evil-minded government officials. Every good American feels this way. And if you're not feeling that way, I would suggest you're not a good American because this is an injustice above all. Look at the attacks on Donald Trump. Former President Donald Trump. Every single attack on him is a criminal action against a true American hero, a man who loves his country enough to sacrifice his wealth, his time, his reputation, because he loves America. And he is slammed for it. Do we defend him? Do we support him? Let's identify what the Second Amendment already has done for us. Because it's done a lot. We have almost 250 years of relative bliss from government tyranny under our belts. Foreign invasion has never been a concern or a question for any American. As far as the enemy is concerned, there's a gun behind every blade of grass. Now, that does not exactly entice foreign invaders, does it? You see, the Second Amendment has a purpose, a principle of utility that has been working for us, and we probably don't even think about it. Look around you. Read the stories that the mainstream media never tells. Good Samaritans with guns have saved thousands of lives, even though the media hides the fact. We have no idea how many lives have been actually saved just by knowing that citizens are armed. But we do know that armed citizens in righteous states, the criminal, uh, the rate of crime is much, much lower than the blue states where gun control is so strictly enforced. It's backwards. It's 
backwards for reasons, because the Second Amendment is at war. And now the government is gunning for us. Literally, 85,000 agents, right, of the IRS coming after us. And yet we are better armed now than ever before. And don't think for a second it doesn't change the way the domestic enemies deal with us. The FBI, the CIA, and all of Obama's radical government implants, these people are cowards at heart. They haven't at all the American spirit that wins wars. Remember that. And please, never, never surrender your guns. Stay well armed. The story isn't over yet. We must always remember that through all of this chaos, through all of the evil we see, the battle is between good and evil, between God and his opponents, his foolish opponents, because we will win this war. We are not facing any form of tyranny that the world has not faced before. And that's a hard thing to envision because we don't know our history too well. But so says Ecclesiastes in chapter 1, verse 9, that which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Tactics may change a little bit, but people don't change. And so what has been done before, the tyranny that has occurred thousands of years ago and hundreds of years ago, and even in the last century during the Holocaust, those were bad times, but they will repeat themselves. And the Christian must realize that the motive to fight evil originates from hating evil. It's okay to really hate evil, Christians. Not only that, we are commanded to hate evil. Now, it gets a lot easier for you to hate evil the more that you or your loved ones are victimized by evil. And maybe that's why the conservative army is growing daily right now. The Bible pulls no punches. We are told, Psalm 97, verse 10, you who love the Lord hate evil. There it is. Shall we hate evil only when it happens to us? What about the innocent Chinese people who are so brutally oppressed every day of their lives? What about the good people of North Korea and those good people in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and all the other stands? Is it okay if the world is crushed by evil as long as we can stay comfortable and be protected in our own fluffy little world? Well, that's not what God says. We must hate evil enough to do something about it. All you preachers out there who might be disagreeing with me and saying, oh, well, our job is just to evangelize the word, the world, spread the gospel. That's all our duty. Ignore the rest. Can't do anything about it. What a bunch of nonsense. What a bunch of theological crap. You are false teachers. You are serving the wrong master. You are imposters in the church. If you cannot honestly abide in and speak God's word and live it yourselves, 
you're on the wrong team. You're not on God's team. Remember Micah 6, 8. We are told he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? How do you do justly? See, do is an action word, right? If you look in the scriptures about any commentary on the soldier, you will find that nowhere in the Bible is a noble soldier ever mocked or admonished by God, other than be content with your wages. Isn't that interesting? Just the opposite. God uses the committed soldier, the faithful soldier, as an example of how committed we as Christians should be to the cause of Christ in all things, not just evangelism, not just in personal righteous living, but in maintaining law and order also. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, we are told God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is the author of peace. That's why he gave us government. And in defending those who cannot defend themselves, God commands us to go to do justice. He says in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4, defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. Whoa, have we been doing or are we still sitting on our fat duffs doing nothing, pretending we are Christians when we reject following Jesus Christ? That's the question for us. Because this is the issue that's going to save America or erase America from the history books. I mean, we'll be done as a nation if we don't get this right. In the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we are told, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. We have to start doing good. Because if we fail to do what we are called to do before God, then what are we going to do? Well, we are going to do what man tells us to do. And that will kill us in this world and in the next. If you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away. If you do things according to God's word, you will not experience the second death that is to come on that day of judgment. But if you fail to do things God's way, and if you deceive yourselves thinking that you are so high and mighty and pompous and pious, and if you ignore the evil in your world, turn your head away from all the evil you see and do not confront it. Don't deceive yourselves. You are not following Christ. You are not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's that simple. 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough time, isn't it? It really is a tough time. And this is a hard message. And I assure you, I'm talking to myself right now, every bit as much as I'm talking to you. And believe it or not, I have my weak moments when I want to throw my hands up and say, oh, what's the use? <laughs> and that's why I have been given the wife that I have been given because she will kick me in the behind and remind me that I have been called to do something. I have a duty on this earth to do good, to contend for righteousness, to defend the weak, to help the poor. I have been called to suffer, to make my life a living sacrifice to God. I have been called to die for a good cause. And let's face it, ultimately, we're all going to die. I'm saying that as a physician. Every doctor in the world fails to sustain human life. God has said it. We have an appointed time on this earth. And when that time is over, then comes the judgment. How do you want to go? How do you want to die? How do you want to live? I think we should focus on holy living and holy dying. That was a book written by Jeremy Taylor a couple hundred years ago. Incredibly good book. Worth the reading. Not easy because he does not hold back. Well, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that we must all ask ourselves which side of the battle we are on. Because we are in a battle. We are at war. And the war is spiritual. It is a battle between good and evil. But my concern is that a lot of people think they are on the side of good when they are doing absolutely nothing to fight the battle. And so we need to all ask ourselves, which side are we on to participate in the sins of our day? And we must call them sin. It is evil. Sexual perversion is sin. Get over it. There's a lot of corrupt, dead churches, spiritually dead churches who are worshiping Satan because they refuse to acknowledge the words of God. They refuse to accept the goodness of God, and so they do evil. Little simple things, stealing from your neighbor, perhaps by opportunistically jacking up prices in a time when you can get away with it for a profit. That's sin. That's the sin of abusing your neighbor. That is evil. Renouncing the Ten Commandments is sin. It is evil. But let's remember one other thing. To not participate in defending the poor, the weak, the oppressed, the fatherless, the widow, is every bit as evil as all the rest. If you do nothing, to reinforce goodness and righteousness, you're on the other team. You're on Satan's team. Oh, yeah? Where does the Bible say that? Well, Jesus himself said that in Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me 
is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I hope you'll join me and your fellow patriots and Christians who are fighting this good fight. Get out there, do your good, and do it well. That is your gift back to God. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise. This is Dr. Steve Latulo. Look forward to being with you next week. Adieu.